Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of All Japan Pro Wrestling and Pro Wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 167, and it's a look at Peter Gabriel's music in wrestling. And today I'm joined by a returning guest here on the show. She is a writer and editor who has had work published in the Boston Globe, Rolling Stone, Time Magazine, and Pitchfork. She's also an adjunct professor at Boston College, the former music editor at The Village Voice, and just so darn delightful as well. It's Maura Johnston. Hello again, Maura. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's great to have you back. Uh, it's great to be back, too. You know, this is the first episode of the show in a while. Um, I took time off for, you know, moving and going to All Out and things like that. So um, we took a break, got recharged. And uh, it's funny, Maura, you know, it's funny how things can change just so quickly when you're gone for not that long, you know, because it's only been a few months since your first time on the show back in May, uh, the AEW Grabback episode. Yeah. And, um, oh boy, how things have changed since then. Uh, I believe right? in that episode, uh, we talked about how AEW was in a bit of a rough patch at the time, but once they get to the summer and once that old rascal CM Punk comes back, I'm sure things <laughs> will be just fine. And, um, Things did not turn out just fine because uh, CM Punk got fired. So, yes, he did. You know, it's been a, a proper whirlwind of a few months in wrestling, Maura. Quite eventful, quite eventful. But I think things are, I, I don't want to speak too soon, but it does seem like things are getting, the, the black cloud is clearing, let's <laughs> say, shall we say. It's a bit more stable overall, I think. Yeah. 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 But um, but also, you know, during the hiatus there, we had Terry Funk die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Bray Wyatt died the next day, which was just nuts. And then All In and Punk gets fired and the TKO group thing. It's like you go on break and that's just when everything happens more. You know, it, it's always that way. That's always the way it goes. <laughs> but uh, regardless, the show is back. And we're back with an episode about Peter Gabriel and his music and wrestling. And, uh, you know, Maura, normally I don't bring a guest back on so quickly after their most recent appearance on the show. Um, but you are one of the few wrestling fans that I know who's also a big Peter Gabriel fan like me. So I guess that's the benefit of, you know, knowing a uh, a dual music critic slash wrestling fan like you. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I try. I think that his music is just so interesting and, and, you know, revisiting it today in this context too, I thought was super fascinating because 
his music, especially the songs that we, that some of the songs that we picked were so just omnipresent in my childhood, but they were also just so dense. And there were so many things that I couldn't really pick out, you know, because of the lower fidelity of the speakers or just, you know, being 11. And so uh, (laughs) it's really interesting to like really dig deep into what he was doing with a lot of his music and you saw him live. How was that? Yeah. Yeah. The reason we're doing this episode is because I went to see Peter Gabriel live at TD garden a few weeks ago uh, here in Boston. And uh, it was a great show, a really great show uh, about three hours with intermission. And um, it's funny. He played 22 songs in total. 11 of them are from his new album. Oh my gosh. IO. So half the show is brand new. And I know some people would poo-poo that, but I didn't mind because his new music is pretty great, actually. So, you know, yeah. songs like uh, Love Can Heal, Road to Joy, Four Kinds of Horses, The Chord, they're all great songs. So I loved it. And um, But, you know, he still played In Your Eyes. He still played Sledgehammer and Salisbury Hill and Red Rain and all those songs, too. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an amazing show. A great band, too. Uh, of course, 2011 on bass, as always. Manu Kache on the drums. Uh, David Rhodes on guitar. Um, he had this uh, amazing singer and cellist named Ayana Witter Johnson as well, which uh, she was incredible too. So, yeah, I got the idea to do this episode about Peter Gabriel from that show, and he's one of my favorite artists too. So I figured, you know, why not? Totally. I, you know, it's your show, and I feel <laughs> like you are you have the editorial power to make a show and about anything you want it to be. Mm-hmm, exactly, yeah. And um, much like with my fandom of Rush, um, I have Pro Wrestling to thank for my fandom of Peter Gabriel because one of the songs really? we'll get to later on, Big Time, that was the theme for Mania 22, that was my first real intro to his music. Wow. Um, I'm sure I, I had heard Salisbury Hill before as a kid, but because they played Big Time just over and over again on WWE TV in the lead up to WrestleMania 22, that's the first song of his that really grew on me. And you know, then as time went on, I discovered more and more of his solo work. And then obviously his time in Genesis in the 70s, which right. is very different than his solo work. That's for sure. Yeah. But um, but that that's his whole thing. You know, you can't really put him in one box genre wise, um, you know, because I've done episodes before on the show about Metallica in, in wrestling and Ozzy in wrestling. And yeah, there are some slight differences, you know, over the years for their sounds, but generally they tend to stick to one musical lane Mm -hmm. um but peter you know he's covered a lot of bases in his oeuvre with prog rock and art rock and he's done pop he's done funk and he's done a lot of world music and movie scores so he's always staying fresh he's always trying new things uh, much like a good pro wrestler does in their careers so absolutely yeah a very uh very eclectic guy is peter gabriel for sure yeah absolutely and i feel like it is interesting though because i feel like um you know, you talk about Metallica and Ozzy, and obviously those are two artists who are known for being hard, right? But with Peter Gabriel, it's also like the theatricality of wrestling is like, I think what makes his music so appealing for wrestlers and and promotions to use. Because he always goes big, even when he's doing something that's a little, maybe in more miniature or quieter, it still has this sort of big feeling to it oh yeah i mean all throughout his career you know in genesis he would wear those costumes on stage and the makeup and his solo tours would be these big stage shows and you know at the garden the other day uh you know it wasn't like him and his band on a blank stage performing no there was a whole big 
screen behind him with all these visuals and effects and the show started with like a, a simulated campfire as well. It was very cool and, and engaging and um, he's not just standing still either. He's in his 70s, but he's, you know, going this way and that way and dancing during Sledgehammer. So yeah, he's always had that uh, air of theatricality about him. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mentioned his uh, new album coming out this year, IO. It's been 20 years since the last like original Peter Gabriel album. Because he had the covers album, Scratch My Back. Yep. He had the orchestral album, his old stuff, New Blood. But yeah, it's been two decades since the last like proper album of his. Um, and the way he's releasing it is very interesting because he's put out a new single every full moon this year. So mm-hmm. every month there's been a new song from Peter Gabriel. And each song has had three different mixes from three different producers. A bright side mix a dark side mix, and an inside mix. So, like I said, he's always keeping things fresh and creative more, that's for sure. I think that's such a good strategy, too. Like, I think it's a, it's an interesting strategy for the streaming era, you know, where, like, newness is so paramount. And if you are subscribed to Peter Gabriel on Spotify, you'll have that, you know, new Peter Gabriel song in your release radar, like Clockwork, and that, that keeps uh, the artist at front of mind, which I think is something that is really important in this age of so much stuff out there, whether it's music or movies or wrestling or video games or what, whatever. Definitely. Definitely. So let's get to these songs. And, um, you know, unlike the other artist centric episodes we've done on the show before, not many Peter Gabriel songs in wrestling over the years. Uh, it's a bit of a niche topic. Uh, Metallica. Yeah. A lot to go with Ozzy. Absolutely. Uh, Their music is a lot more conducive to pro wrestling, I think. But um, not many wrestlers come out to Supper's Ready, Mora, you know, (laughs) or or the Carpet Crawlers, or Don't Give Up, or Come Talk to Me. It's just not happening, Mora. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Digging in the Dirt, or uh, Growing Up. It's just not in the cards, really. But but anyway, uh, we have five songs to get to here. And we'll start off in chronological order with this one off the 1982 album Peter Gabriel 4, Security. This is the theme for the Islanders, Haku and Tama, in the WWF from 86 to 88. This is The Rhythm of the Heat. So this is what I meant earlier when I said that Peter really loves world music and music from Africa in particular. And this song has a very big African influence for sure, especially with the Ghanaian drumming there. Um, Now, the last time I checked a map, 
Tonga is a few miles away from Africa, so it doesn't yes. really line up in that sense. But uh, hey, listen, it's wrestling. It's the 80s. I mean, it's not that big of a, a shock, I don't think. <laughs> well, I also think that it's it's kind of indicative of how the perspective on the wider world in general was so, you know, country-centric because you didn't have the internet. And so outside of America just seemed like outside of America to <laughs> Americans. Um, that's not to say that it's not problematic, obviously, but I do think it's indicative of you know, how the the rest of the world did seem really foreign before it was so easy to connect with the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can see why they picked it for the Islanders, you know, the whole tribal nature of the gimmick. Yeah. Uh, which, again, there are different tribes in different places, of course, but uh, still, uh, there is an ominous tone to the whole affair, you know, with the intermittent boom and the whispering, the rhythm of the heat. The rhythm of the heat. It, it could be very unsettling, for sure. And that's been the case for theme songs for all sorts of island gimmicks over the years. Uh, you know, it's never like a, a peaceful ukulele sound going on there. It's, <laughs> it, it's ominous percussion. It's sound effects. It's, it's chanting, like with uh, the Head Shrinker's theme or Umaga's theme and things like that. So, you know, it, it is a, a collar-tugging tradition, but a tradition nonetheless, Mora. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, the, I mean, this song was also written about um, Carl Jung and visiting Africa and, you know, joining drummers and dancers and becoming overwhelmed. He wrote about it in Symbols in the Interpretation of Dreams. And I feel like that that also adds a dimension to listening to the song itself because it does have this kind of shadowy feeling to it where, you know, where you are in a dreamland, kind of. Mm-hmm. I will say it would have been a lot weirder if the Islanders came out to the rhythm of the night. This is the rhythm of the night. The night. Oh, yeah. This is the rhythm of the night. The night. Oh, I thought you were talking about oh, the yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the DeBarge song. Oh, no, no, no. The no. rhythm of the night. Yeah, Dance Until the Morning Light. Yeah. There are lots of good songs with that title, though. Yeah, yeah. That would have been a lot more fun, I think. But, um... Not the right fit either, so... <laughs> yeah. So moving on now to the 1986 album So, which is his biggest album and the one we have the most songs from here. This is the theme for many wrestlers, uh, including Tyler Bate, Jeff Jarrett, Dan Maloney, Greg Valentine, and in a way, Claudio Castagnoli. This is Sledgehammer. This is a big 180 from the last song. Yeah. Uh, and again, 
This is what I mean by covering a lot of bases, because we now have a big, dancey, funk extravaganza with horns and slapping bass and innuendos up the wazoo. We're talking steam trains, airplanes, big dippers, bumper cars, all sorts of wink-wink, nudge-nudge sexual imagery going on here. I mean, you know, calling it Sledgehammer, for God's sake. Like, it's right there. And it's, it's fun as hell, a real crowd-pleaser. Um, now, I, I don't know how fun and funky someone like Greg the Hammer Valentine can be. Um, <laughs> he's not quite Mr. Moving and Grooving, I don't think. But uh, listen, you can't let a good pun go to waste more. You just can't. It's true. I mean, look, this is like a giant dick joke, but the world found it adorable because of the video, right? The video yeah, yeah. was so mind-blowing. I remember you know, watching it on TV as a kid when it was out, and it was just something that was so incredible to see. Um, and it's still 30, I guess almost 40 years later, um, is cited as one of the most innovative videos that was out, you know, ever in the history of music video. It really pushed the medium forward in an exciting way. And I feel like that kind of um, maybe blunted the the joke. Do you know what I mean? Like it kind yeah. of like it made every like and also I mean things were just different back then too. There was it was a lot easier for radio or MTV to sort of hand wave obvious allusions to sex and drugs. Um, I remember there was one song that I really liked by the Bullet Boys in the 1990s called THC Groove. And in parentheses in the Chiron on MTV, it was like the hardcore groove. And you know, okay, <laughs> sure. I didn't know what THC was. I was I was not a cannabis knowledgeable teenager back then. Um, so I think you could really hand wave a lot of stuff that in 2023 is like, oh yeah, that's definitely about that. Mm -hmm. Well, the only Bullet Boy song I know is Smooth Up In Ya. That's the That's extent of my too. Bullet Boy's knowledge there. Speaking so, uh... of giant dick jokes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, yes. But, um, but yeah, you're right. This is one of those cases where the video of the song was bigger than the song itself. Oh my gosh. Because um, this was just a monster on MTV back in the day with mm -hmm. stop motion animation and all that. And from what I read, it was just an absolute bitch to make because it took forever. But that's Peter Gabriel. He puts a lot of time and care into his work. Totally. And, you know, yeah, if it takes 20 years to put an album out, it takes 20 years. That's just the way <laughs> it goes. So, yeah, he does put a lot of effort into his stuff, uh, Mark. I will say that I feel like, you know, there was a lot of really, like, upbeat, ebullient music back in that era. But the bridge on Sledgehammer is like top five of just unbridled joy, I think. The call and response and everything, it's just so great. Yeah. And uh, and live, when Peter does this song, and he goes, I kick the habit, he, Tony Levin, and David Rhodes all kick their legs up in the air like rock cats, you know? So it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, now, Claudio... Back in the day, he used to come out to I've Got to Have It by Jermaine Dupri and Nas, oh, which wow. heavily samples Sledgehammer, okay. uh, the melody from it, which um, back then, that was when Claudio still had his hair, and he was double C and the most money-making man and all that, and he'd go, hey, after every move. So 
Um, it was a very different Claudio back then, that's for sure. And it's hard to imagine him coming out to that song nowadays as the BCC guy. <laughs> but uh, you never know. I mean, Tony Khan loves to buy real music for his wrestlers. So it might happen more. It might happen. You never know. It could happen. There is, you know, there is definitely a line between, um, is it the 1812 Overture that, that is yeah. remixed? Yeah. And Sledgehammer, they're both very big splashy productions i'm sure some innovative producer i'm sure mikey ruckus could figure out a way to match the two up yeah if he can do it with jeff jared and jay lethal's theme he can do it with with sledgehammer on the 1812 overture i I believe him. him. yeah (laughs) um now i i think i've told this story before on the show but uh in college i was in a lip-syncing contest okay and one of the songs i did was sledgehammer wow damn it mora i was dancing up a storm I knew all the lyrics. I had a paper flute to do the flute section, and I won that whole damn thing all by myself. That's awesome. Oh my three gosh. songs I did were Sledgehammer, the Stop Making Sense version of Once in a Lifetime by Talking Heads, and Get Down, Make Love by Queen. Those are my three songs, and damn it, Mora, I knocked the whole competition on its ass, and I won the whole damn thing. How about that? That's amazing. You, that is that is some prime song choice there. Like, you know, as a former American Idol recapper, I know that song <laughs> choice is very important to music competitions and you smashed it. Well done. No pun intended with Sledgehammer, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, eat your heart out, Tyler Bate. There you go. <laughs> song number three, and I brought the song up earlier. It's the theme for WrestleMania 22. This is Big Time. Hi there. Continuing the music genre from Sledgehammer, uh, this is another funky brew with uh, backup singers and this just amazing, gorgeous bass line so good. from 2011. It is beautiful. I love it so much. And um, and Stuart Copeland on drums. Yeah. A fun fact there for you. Um, now, thematically, it's different because it's about wanting to be big time, rich, famous, powerful. I'm on my way. I'm making it. I've got to make it show. Yeah. So much larger than life. And what's more larger than life than WrestleMania, you know? So was it a trendy pick in 06 to go with a song that's 20 years old at that point? Maybe not, but I still enjoy it. And honestly, this is one of, if not my favorite Mania theme ever, Mora, I think. Really? See, I think mine is Easy Lover. That's great, too. Because Easy Lover is just, I mean, and we're getting into Genesis eras here. Um, But this song is, is awesome. Like, it's so fun that organ parts like 
is the way that they're just wailing on the organ. Is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, Peter Gabriel himself has like described it as a satirical story yes. about success. And you can kind of get it with, um, I'm going to make a period appropriate reference here. The Joe Isuzu quality of that high there, very like used car salesman. So I'm going to guess that the WWE usage of it was not satirical. I, I think so. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I don't think they understood the, uh, the cynical nature of the song, really, because yeah. um, yeah. the guy is not singing about being big time so he can, you know, help people. It's so he can be famous and own all this stuff. And right. Host big parties with big names and have a snow white pillow for his big fat head. And the end of the song where everything just keeps getting bigger and bigger, you know, the car, the house, the belly, the bank account, the bulge and his big, 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 you know, <laughs> the vanity, the greed. Um, the music might sound positive, but the lyrics, an actual message of the song is not. So the fact that it's being used as a theme for this big celebratory show with the pompous circumstances, you know, pretty funny. Yes, absolutely. I think it's interesting too in the context of 2006, because 2006 was sort of when like the music business was sort of in turmoil and, you know, CD sales were really starting to tank and in a way, a new artist or a current artist probably would not have been as big time enough to be appropriate for the WrestleMania stage. And certainly a new rock artist at the time. Mm-hmm. And I thought about this too. It's funny. For a show with a theme called Big Time, the show itself is not so big in comparison to nowadays because nowadays WrestleMania is a two-day monster. It's held in these, you know, these giant massive football stadiums with 60, 70, 80,000 people or whatever. WrestleMania 22 was held at the Allstate Arena in front of 17,000 people, give or take. And it's actually the last Mania to ever be held in a basketball or hockey-sized arena. Oh. After that, it truly becomes big time, Mara. Right. Interesting. Song number four, and it's time to break out the boombox Head on over to Ioni Sky's house and hold that some bitch over our heads. This song was used by Jimmy Jacobs in IWA Mid South in 2004. This is, of course, in your eyes. So we had the very sexually charged song earlier with Sledgehammer, and that was erotic lust through and through. This one, though, is a straight-up classy love song. You know, there's a difference between you could have a Big Dipper 
going up and down all around your bends. <laughs> and love, I get so lost sometimes. Days pass, and this emptiness fills my heart. You know, it's about this guy who just loves this woman so much. He can't just stay away from her. He, he needs to be with her. It's very earnest. And there's not that much earnestness in wrestling to begin with, Maura. Yeah, I think this song is just... It, it's so funny because there are certain songs that become, like, part of the cultural fabric. I mean, uh, Peter Gabriel himself, like, called it, you know, one of the modern-day Romeo and Juliet balcony cliches. And I feel like it's one of those songs that it's in the ether, but then when you actually listen to it again and pay attention to it, it is so stunningly beautiful. And, you know, the, the video for this was a live video. Um, so you got to see Peter Gabriel and Yusu Endor in concert performing it. Um, but certainly it's inclusion in Say Anything. And like Cameron Crowe is just like, you know, even though I don't, I'm not a fan of all of his movies, but I will say he is the king of like the killer music cue. And this is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A few years ago, I did an episode about romantic theme songs and I talked about the old Udro theme with the saxophone and the Billy and Chuck theme and the Mark Henry sexual chocolate theme and all that. And those songs certainly have that coating of cheesiness to them, right? Or or the heightened sexual overtones as well with horns and whatnot. This one, again, it's much more subdued and, you know, pretty classy. And there's the African influence again here as well with Yosuna Dor in there. And um, yes. yeah. it doesn't really get the blood pumping as a wrestling theme, perhaps, sure, but it still feels really unique in that wrestling context more. But wrestling is all about evoking emotion, right? And this certainly does that. And it certainly does that for, it certainly has done that for many people in, in many different contexts. So I think part of the power of using songs like this in wrestling is that it takes you by surprise and that heightens the emotion that you can feel. Mm -hmm. And it being Jimmy Jacobs, I know this was an IWA Mid-South and not ROH, but... This would have been just the perfect song to use for the Jimmy Loves Lacey storyline in 06. You know, this sappy, love-struck idiot just expressing <laughs> his devotion to a girl with one of the most famous pop songs of all time. It, it would have been great. Um, now, thankfully, uh, Jimmy used the studio version of this song and not the live version. Because the live version goes like 10 or 11 minutes. It would have been a long entrance. Um, yeah. And I love the live version. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Because um, it has all these... Little extra bits in there, like the uh, the intro, accepting all I've done and said. And um, on the uh, the Secret World live album, uh, he brings in Papa Wemba at the end. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's great. I love it so much. And, uh, you know, again, does In Your Eyes fit the uh, the macho, aggressive world of pro wrestling? Uh, probably not, no. But uh, it's a great song. It's a classic. And, uh, you know, you can't go wrong with it, Maura. It's, I mean, yeah, that's... It, it's and it is just it is worth revisiting and listening closely to in 2023 i feel like even though you may think that you know it by heart because certainly it's been exposed in so many different fashions and the boombox image you know i remember seeing when future put out a love song his duet with rihanna and a friend of mine actually like photoshopped the image of john cusack holding his arms <laughs> in the air to have the iTunes indicator <laughs> for that song, just that—that that was what he was holding up. Um, but the song is just—I I urge anyone who has or hasn't heard it to revisit it closely and 
it's really good. Yeah, a few days ago, I saw a clip from a concert where uh, John Cusack came out with a boombox. He gave it to Peter Gabriel yep. and just you know bowed and walked off the stage, and and that was it. So. Yeah, in twenty, that was in twenty, that was in twenty twelve. Yeah, um, and Cameron Crowe was there too, and so he was like tweeting about it. He was like, "I can't believe this happened," you know, because <laughs> he kind of did that. It's his fault, <laughs> not fault. But yeah. Um, well, speaking of uh, famous attendees, um, at the show I went to the other day. Um, have you heard of the uh, the Chinese artist Ai Weiwei? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, he did the um, the artwork for Road to Joy, uh, for the single and for the actual visuals on stage, and he was in the crowd that night. And oh, he didn't wow. go up on stage or anything, but uh, Peter introduced him to the fans, and uh, we all gave him a big applause and all that stuff. So um, it was pretty neat. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, our last song here is from the next Peter Gabriel album, 1992's Us. And this song was used by a West Coast tag team called The Whirlwind Gentlemen, Jack Manley and Remy Marcel. And according to Cage Match, uh, they have not wrestled since 2018. But regardless, they did have a Peter Gabriel theme. This is Steam. Over Sledgehammer, there's a new sexy funk rock jamboree in town, baby. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this is very much like the Sledgehammer of the 90s. You know, oh, you got sure. the funk rock in there, the horns. A lot of the people who worked on Sledgehammer worked on this song as well. And there is definitely that sexual overtone to this song, too. Uh, talking about dogs picking up this heat, gimme steam, backslap, booby trap, cover it up in bubble wrap. Room shake, earthquake, find a way to stay awake. It's going to blow, it's going to break. This is more than I can take. Uh, all sorts of innuendo going on in this one here, Maura. Totally, totally. It's interesting, too, because I feel like this is a song that is kind of um, indicative of the end of the modern rock era in in like what's now alternative, where you had like, you know, art, like a lot of artists that were kind of coming out of the new wave and you know they were and there were a lot of like prog rockers and and 70s rockers who were still making this innovative rock based but exploratory music and i feel like this is this was a song that was very much an outlier on modern rock radio in 1992 1993 um i was looking because it was number one on the alternative chart 
for five weeks from December to January 1992 to 1993. But I was looking at like the songs surrounding it at number one, and it was like Drive by R.E.M., These Are Days by 10,000 Maniacs, Somebody to Shove by Soul Asylum. So those were the three before. And then the three after were um, Not Sleeping Around by Ned's Atomic Dustman, which was like the first single from their follow-up to Godfather. Um, the Devil You Know by Jesus Jones, who were like, you know, an electronic rock band. And then Feed the Tree by Belly. And so I feel like, you know, the, the sort of like bright funk Sledgehammer 2 vibe of Steam is very different than the songs that, that preceded and succeeded it on in the number one spot on the alt-rock charts. Um, because this was, you know, after Nirvana, after Pearl Jam. So it's, it's just an interesting thing to think about how this was kind of like passing the torch in a way. I know four of the bands you mentioned there, by the way. Uh, really? <laughs> um, oh my gosh. All I know R.E.M., 10,000 Maniacs, uh, Jesus Jones did that song right here, right now. So I know them. And what was the fourth one? Um, not Belly. I don't know them. It was uh, uh, Soul, Soul, Soul Asylum. Asylum. That's it. That's the fourth one. Yeah. yeah. Ned's Atomic Dustman were a British band. Their their gimmick was that they had two bass players, but uh, they were also really good. I really liked them a lot. So. And then Belly is um, Tommy Donnelly, who was in Throwing Muses and The Breeders, and this was the band that she fronted. And Belly are incredible. You should check out Belly. Everybody should check out Belly, but you should definitely check out Belly because they're also from you know around here. Oh, really? Uh, we gotta we gotta ride for our New England supremacy. Definitely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but as far as this song goes, there is that layer of the funk and the fun, the sexy and all that. But there's a deeper message as well. Um, it's a relationship song again about a guy dating a woman who knows everything about anything except for herself. You know your culture from your trash. You know your plastic from your cash. You know your stripper from your paint. You know your sinner from your saint, etc. And the guy doesn't really know anything, but he knows her. You know, the line is, but I know you. They say it over and over again. So right. there's more going on here than just funky bass lines and innuendo. But I think it being wrestling, that message gets drowned out by the the sexy fun times more, you know? For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and, and obviously, like, you know, that, that's what happens with a lot of songs just in general when they get into bigger arenas, you know, people, not to uh, borrow another phrase from another album of that time, but he knows not what it means, right? From In Bloom by Nirvana, <laughs> you know, that's what happens, or, you know, every breath you take being played at weddings. It, yeah. It's a, it's a phenomenon that occurs a lot. Yeah, how many politicians used Born in the USA, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and the Whirlwind right. Gentlemen, I looked them up, a video of their entrance, uh, they came out wearing like purple suits and sunglasses and sparkly headbands and they're hugging fans and some fans are dancing and I don't think it's the type of gimmick that is very introspective about Peter Gabriel yeah. lyrics, but that's just me, Maura. <laughs> I would, I would probably, I'm getting like a disco stew visual here. Is that <laughs> accurate? Kinda, kinda, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's a shame that a bigger company didn't use Steam for a theme song because on the live tour for us, uh, the Secret World Tour, whenever he said the line, give me steam, these big steam jets 
would shoot up out of the floor. Oh, yeah. That would have made for a really cool entrance, Mora. You gotta admit. I would imagine. Yeah. Well, maybe some wrestlers out there trying to figure out a, you know, a grabber entrance. And here you go. Yeah. Free idea, folks. It's right there for (laughs) you. Come on now. It's gold. It's gold. (laughs) What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, Maura, thank you so much for being here. An absolute blast. Uh, Again, not the most extensive song list in the world, but uh, I had so much fun. I know you did too, so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. Uh, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Oh, um, I guess like I have a show on Uncertain.fm, which is the radio station run by Patriots DJ TJ Connolly. It's on Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. And I also am on many social media platforms as Mora. So find me there. I think I'm going to quit Twitter. I don't know. Or X, whatever. But we'll see. Yeah, it's seen better days, that place, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, well, better in quotes, I guess. <laughs> the, the, even the app icon is so depressing to look at, you know? Like just... <laughs> that big old X. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, And uh, Music of the Mat is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. You can find all the great shows on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Music of the Mat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord for all discussions and comments. VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate for any donations. Uh, just click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you donate, thanks so much. You're awesome. And of course, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. Mora, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Thank you. All right, from Maura Johnston, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. of the mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only the songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders do you like wrestling trivia 
then check out the five-star match game, The Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. I'm Joe Gagney, and every episode, I grill three contestants with five rounds of power-packed wrestling trivia. We have over 30 evergreen episodes in the archives covering WWE, AEW, Japan, Mexico, and much, 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 much more. Play along at home and check it out today.